Hey, welcome into the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page, search for Coach Bo Knows Show. And you can email us anytime at Show at gmail.com. This is episode 58. And coming in to review all the action from week four in the NFL is one of our most popular returning contributors weekly here. Ladies, if you're in the greater Denver area, open up a nice bottle of Appleton Farms, dark rum, place out your Titleist Pro V1 golf balls, and he'll magically appear. He's a man of style, sophistication, and he remains undefeated against home pregnancy tests with a record of 52-0. and 0. His mother named him Ricardo, and around here we call him Uncle Rico, my main man, Ricardo Gerbellini. Ricardo, what's going on, Bubba? Oh, not a much. Just uh, trying to digest what's happening right now in this season. It's, there's, there's, there's so much still kind of up in the air. Yeah. And there's already controversy across a number of teams. Yeah, there is. We're going to talk a lot about some stuff here. I want to first off say thank you, Uncle Rico, for coming in this week. I know you're traveling and seeing some family and to take the time tonight. We're doing this Monday night. I appreciate you doing it first off. I know you've been doing going through some travels and I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, bro. I, I always enjoy it. And I'm, I'm lucky to have the opportunity this week to continue. All right. Well, hey, let's get into it. I think the biggest story of the last week, obviously, in the NFL, and I want to start here is Tua Tagovailoa and the injury yeah. on Thursday night. Um, did you watch, did you see what happened firsthand? Have you only seen the highlights of what happened to Tua? I, no, I saw it. I was, I was watching it. I wasn't traveling yet. Oh, So I did um, see that play. But I, saw, I saw the whole game end. Uh, yeah. What is your take first off? Should he have been playing first off? And then secondly, I mean, just the whole thing. I mean, do we, do we need to be blaming the team, the NFL? The player himself, I know Ellen, you know, on Friday when we recorded her her in on the point five, she was really saying that, hey, two of belongs in the blame category here too. And I read an interesting tweet, and then I was reading some more about it later from Christopher Nowinski from the head trauma group that works with the NFL. And really they work with all of the major sports, including the also the UFC boxing in the WWE and uh Nowinski was saying one of his tweets this past week was that not he says Tua should not play another down this season and Tua should never play for the Dolphins again putting most of this blame squarely on the Dolphins what are your thoughts on what happened I think this is a situation where there's a there's actually a lot of blame to go around there's blame on Tua but we always talk about how players will always fight for the next down to continue playing. No, they're not hurt. They can work through it, blah, blah, blah. Players will always do that. But you also have self-culpability and self-responsibility to your health. You have more to answer for than just yourself. The second one, you know, you're obviously talking about coaches. And, and that's been a lot of conversation this week around what uh, the head coach uh, – was what was he thinking putting him back in on thursday now you put him in on uh, you have him play on sunday he gets the injury he goes back in the game afterwards 
I question a lot of the the checkup they did after the game. I can understand there's concussion protocol. They they followed that. It's not perfect. Yeah. So there, there's always going to be, it hasn't happened yet, but there was always going to be a chance that there was going to be a big miss. And this was a big miss. Um, there's culpability on the doctors. And I think actually already the NFLPA has fired as per their right in the, in the, in the CBA. Those people, most doctors, that, the, the consultants that they were using for that are already gone. They're, they're no longer affiliated with it. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, the sideline doctor from that game has been let go. Yeah, and you can and I, you can even go so far, and I've heard conversations this week on uh, um, various ex-players talking about as a player, as a teammate, being like, you can't go, dude, you, have, you can't go back in, or this or that, or I see, you can't, you know, that standing up for their, their teammate to not let them play. I think there's plenty of blame to go around. I don't think anyone is guilt-free or fully culpable. I think this is a multi-stage failure to Tua. I would be concerned about him going on the field. Definitely, I'm glad they're not putting him this week. I would think another couple weeks maybe even be in order. I would want that workup end-to-end fully bonafide that there's just absolutely no indication that there's anything else going on anymore. Because as has been said multiple times this week, it's not the first one. It's the second one that gets you. The first one you just need to recover from and let it play its course. The second one can cause real damage. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're seeing right now. And it's the second one in four days. I mean, there's something to getting put into concussion protocol after a Sunday game and playing on Sunday. But he wasn't even put into concussion protocol. That whole issue was skipped over. And then he was thrown back on the field four days later. I mean, the fourth day being the game day. And that's troublesome at best. And, I mean, borderline criminal. I mean, it's – I didn't see that the doctor got fired. and But I just – when Tua got hurt the second time on Thursday, I'm not a big Dolphins guy. I mean, I, I'm, I like what I see with their team, but I'm not a Dolphins fan. And certainly that game I'm rooting for mm. the Bengals and Burrow. But, man, I my heart bleeds for Tua because he's also trying to play into a contract on a team that doesn't really want him and has done everything they can to try to replace him for the last two seasons. He comes out and he's balled out this year, but then they fuck up his thing. He fuck up his you know injury last week. This is, I mean, this is bad. I, I think if you're two, I think the win. I think Christopher Nowinski's right. I, if I'm two, I don't know that I could play for the Dolphins again. I, I, I did. So they ruled him out this week, and he's in concussion protocol. They say he's a hundred percent as far as his mental and how he's doing. But I do think that, man, I, I don't know that I could do this if I was him. I, I don't know that. He, I don't know that he can trust that organization moving forward. And that's where I, I that's why I say, I don't think it's, if you're going to point a finger at any one thing, you got to have to have a lot of fingers. I think, I think there's a lot of blame to go around. I don't think there's any one failure. I think there's multiple failures through the organization, the team, the player, the doctors, the coaches and the NFL as a whole, because Obviously, whatever the concussion protocol, you know, all those compo- the, the concussion protocol has been around for quite some time now. And here's a situation where it failed you. Yeah. This, 
it was it was going to happen. It was eventually going to happen to somebody because every time it's because there's nothing that's perfect. Yeah. But the question then becomes: How do you? What do you? What changes are required now to make this better? Because I've been fine yeah. tuning this for a bit now. So what does what needs to change? And I don't know uh, what that's going to be. That's what protocols need to be improved? What you know policies need to be improved? But the thing that gets me on all of this is that let's let's assume here that they followed protocol. All of the evaluations were correct. Everything looks like it was. It just didn't happen the way everyone thought, and everything went bad. So under that understanding, who is the most culpable? What do you need to change? I'm not sure. And if you revise something, where's the next person that falls through that crack? Because it's never going to be perfect. Yeah, I think what the one thing that drives me crazy about this is that if you follow all the protocols, it still doesn't pass the sniff test. Like this, just common sense. When you see what happened on Sunday, it's not worth the risk on Thursday, especially in a short week. Maybe you go all the way to the next Sunday. Maybe you don't. Yeah. You know, but there's a sniff test here, a common sense test of maybe we should hold off on him this week. That should have happened to everybody, and it didn't. I agree. I agree. I think you're spot on with a lot of that, with that it's, there's a lot of people to blame on this and the culpability is definitely not just with one person or one organization. Hey, the, um, the next thing I want to catch on the Sunday night's game, Sunday night's game, the chiefs, I'm just going to come out and say it. I the chiefs walloped. And I know the score was 41, 31, but it was never even that close. It was a late touchdown by the Bucks, but, Really, at no point in this game was this game ever close. Um, the Chiefs are definitely for real. Patrick Mahomes, you know, it seems like each week he plays a different role. You know, week one, he had the big week. Then, you know, week two, he, you know, took that back seat and let they ran the ball a little more. He was more efficient. Week three, not quite as efficient, not spectacular. They lost. And then this week, you know, Andy Reid's teams don't lose back to back. He's he's been very good. Andy Reid's teams don't lose their bye week, and they don't lose back to back games often. And they came out. I thought they just throttled the Bucks. What were your thoughts on that well, game? Uh, I have two thoughts on that game because we've criticized Patrick Mahomes for backyard bullshit that didn't work. And yesterday, last night. He threw a bunch of backyard bullshit that really worked. Yeah, he did I, a couple it, of the things. The flip touchdown's the big one. The flip touchdown, yeah, from the two. Yeah. Yeah. He pulled he pulled that. He had that uh underhand shovel pass that, that they did uh later in the game. Uh, he pulled some backyard bullshit this time and it worked. And two weeks ago he pulled backyard bullshit and it didn't. This is one of those situations where sometimes it goes, sometimes it doesn't. But this is kind of how he plays. The cleaner he plays, the better he plays. Yeah. Um, my takeaway on the game initially was Kansas City struck first, and there they held. It wasn't that Tampa played bad because they did move the ball. They did score. They were, they were offensively threatening, but they, were un, they, you know, they ran out of clock to make a comeback against the Chiefs. This is one of those where it's not that Tom Brady played bad. He didn't look bad. He actually looked pretty good for most of the game. But Kansas City came out all firing and all cylinders. They struck first and they held there. 
there were a couple of games like that where when you get up, if you get there first, you'll win. And that's what they did. And they owned, they, they couldn't get stopped. That was the thing about Tampa's defense. Couldn't stop them. This is one of the better defenses in the league, and they couldn't do anything to stop Mahomes and the Chiefs. Um, and the Chiefs were as susceptible later in the game. They were strong early against a Tampa team that was a little sputtery, but then they found their footing and started getting offensively efficient. So I think the Chiefs struck first. I think they held that like Vipers and, and ultimately won the game on their terms. Well, I think you, you said this last week. We are talking about somebody else, talking about how the teams that run the ball are good. And the Chiefs ran the ball 37 times in that game. They only threw it 23. Mm-hmm. And oh, and when, you, when you're going to run the ball and as effectively as they ran and you're going to run it more, you're going to win. I agree that the Chiefs came out and just punched the, punched the Bucks in the face. The fumble on the opening kickoff certainly didn't help the Bucks. But I, I tell you where I do disagree a little bit with you. I don't think Tom Brady was good at all. I know he was 39 of 52. And I know part of that is he had to throw the ball 52 times. But, boy, he wasn't good at all. I don't – he's washed. His arm isn't good. No, he, he, he couldn't throw anything deep. Um, you know, I, I, I knew you were going to say that, and I completely disagree. I thought he was efficient. He was accurate. He moved I mean, the ball. As soon as – when they got – especially into the second half, they were very offensively efficient and moving the ball at will, the same as the Chiefs. But the Chiefs did it earlier, and they did it, well, you know, more time. They had more drives that were more effective. Well, I mean, the Chiefs were, were – I mean, at first they got ahead, and because they got so far ahead that – I mean – you could talk about when they scored a bunch of points. I mean, the Bucs only scored two touchdowns in the second half. And one of those was very late in the game that made it a 10 point game. Um, I mean, the, the Bucs only outscored the Chiefs by one in the second half. I really look at it and think that it was more a situation where the Chiefs defense was going to take their time. They're not going to, you're not going to blitz Brady very often. He's going to get rid of the ball quickly. He can still do that. And he can mm-hmm. still put his team in good positions. But I thought a couple of the big catches that Mike Evans had, I thought that um, that Godwin had a couple of catches that I thought were unbelievable catches. But if you look, I mean, he had to check it down. Brady checked down seven receptions to Fournette. Um, when you're throwing balls – that many to the running back, it tells me that really and truly it's just you're getting it in the space. And in this case, I mean, he threw 52 times for 385 yards. That's 7.4 yards an attempt. That's not real good for an NFL, for an NFL guy, especially if you're going to throw the ball that many. Uh, and I agree with you. They're, they're, the you're, you're, they were put in a situation he had to throw the defense, and they shouldn't have been in that situation. The longest reception of the night was Evans's 30-yarder, and then the next one was Fournette's 25-yarder that was on a screen pass. I just, I, I, I think that they're limited in what they can do now offensively, and they're going to have to, that defense is going to have to always play well I think we saw the blueprint on why the Bucks aren't very good this week. I, I think there's I still just, I, th- I, thought, 
They're still going to win their division. They have the dog shit division they're in. They're by far the best team in that division. But I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender unless something drastically changes. And I'm just not sure hey. that's going to happen. If you're if you're talking, if we're taking a grade today on um, week four, yeah, they're not a Super Bowl team today. Yeah, ten weeks yeah. from now, I will probably say something very different. Well, and that's is, the there's I, still quite a bit of season left, but yeah, right I, now, I agree with you. Right now, to evaluate them, I would say they don't look like a Super Bowl contender yet. And to their credit, two seasons ago, when they won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl because they won the last five games of the regular season and then three in the playoffs to get them there. You know, they were, they were sitting there, what, uh, at 10 weeks? They were five and five. So I, Yeah, they, I, didn't, they didn't come off, start off a hot start in that year either. They struggled well, early on so as well. So there's still plenty of football to play. Yeah, there's time. I just think that old man's not that good now. And I think that we, some of his throws yesterday when he was trying to put some air on some things weren't particularly good. I think it helps when you got Mike Evans, he'll fight for the ball. And, and, you know, a friend of mine texted me during the game and said, well, how come Mike Evans is playing so well? And I said, cause he's not playing against Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah. Marshawn Lattimore. Just Mike him. Evans is Mike Evans has height. He has ability yeah. that most D backs that he gives him an advantage. Yeah. And he, Tom Brady is is good enough to put it in you know a high yeah. spot where he can catch it and the DBs can't. Yeah, he's a. It's physical, not that complicated. He's, he's a physical guy too. I did think that the Mike Evans touchdown should have been offensive pass interference. He pushed That's off. That's arguable. Both it was he pushed off of both ends. That's arguable. He's not the first one to do it. He's not the first no, one to get away with it. By any means. And he, though, to his credit, when he does push off, you know what you never see? His arms don't get all the way extended. Get that uh-huh. push off is, he has a unique push off. He doesn't, like, he, he it's almost like he. It's just a baby shot. Yeah, it's, it's like, a baby shot. He pats you real hard. Like they teach offensive yeah. linemen on the first on the first impact, you know, to put that big that big blow right in their chest. He just pop with both yep. hands, and that's enough on a smaller guy because Mike Gibbons is a large man and a strong man. So, I mean, I yeah, he gets away with a lot of that because of he doesn't extend his arms when he does it, and he does it in a unique way. But I. I was impressed with the Chiefs all around. I was impressed. I was impressed with the Chiefs defense. Honestly, I don't think you up 31. But again, I I think 14 of that was kind of bullshit. I think the last that last possession in the first half, you know, made the game look closer than it actually was. And I think the last possession of the game for the Bucks made it closer than it actually was. Um, yeah, I just think that I don't know. Brady's gonna have to look better and I know he had great stats he had great stats last season you know again he went for 385 yards and three touchdowns that's a great game in stats but the problem was Tampa Bay only ran the ball six times yeah and I'm not a fan of that I don't care if you and that's where I see coaches and this is a criticism I'm going to have on this is that 
for whatever reason, if you get down early to a team like the Chiefs and you abandon your game plan for a lot of pass to play catch-up, you have abandoned your strength. I think they should have kept a, a balanced offense and worked their way back into it for two reasons. One, if you continue to do, if you if you stay loyal to your game plan and incorporate the run in a balanced attack, you control the clock. You yeah. keep Mahomes off the field, and you give your offense an actual chance to make a comeback against a reasonable number. But if you're throwing all the time, trying to play catch up, guess what? You're giving Mahomes an extra series or two to score more on you. That's you really need to be much more efficient with your offense and stick to your game plan, even if it doesn't start out the way you want it to. You don't panic and don't, especially early on. You're in the in the first half. You're playing. You're you're all of a sudden switching game tactics because you got down early. Play your game. Keep to your plan. The long game to the through all four quarters is going to get you where you want to be. I think they panicked and it's a mistake. Well, I think the Bucks can get right the next three weeks. They got the Falcons next week. They get the Steelers and the Panthers. Steelers are now going to play Kenny Pickett at quarterback. So, yeah. So, so and I and I don't. I'm not going to hate up. I'm not going to hate on Kenny Pickett yet. Three interceptions, but I don't. I thought two of them were garbage interceptions. One, yeah. Yeah, I didn't think he played bad. So um, I don't think he played. I'm not going to say he played good, but I, I, I'm not going to say he played bad, especially yeah. in his first game. And then the Chiefs' next three. I mean, they got the Raiders this week, and then they got it. And that's actually next Monday night, isn't it? Yeah, it's next Monday night. Yep. And then, uh, then they got Buffalo. With certain weeks, so I mean they have Buffalo on on Sunday, but it's you know coming off get the extra day because of Monday night. Um, and yeah. the game's at home for the Chiefs. That'll be a big game. And then at the 49ers, they have the Titans, Jags coming home, coming into Arrowhead. The Chiefs should go three and one in the next out of the next four. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility going four and zero. Oh. I think the Chiefs got right. This past week, and they'll probably get Ryder next week against the Raiders. So. Yeah, yeah, I I think they were already ahead of the rest of the AFC West as far as preparedness for the season. Yeah. And I see them continuing that trend, working into the second half of the season. They're going to be ahead of the curve. They were more ready when the season started, and I think that's going to show the rest of the season. Well, also in the AFC West, you talk about the AFC West. I, it, we've got the haves and the have-nots here now. It's really clearly defined now. The Chargers are a good team, and they came back. They got the big win. Uh, they beat the Texans 34-24 in a game that you go, well, they only beat them by 10. But, I mean, shit, they scored 20 in the second quarter. It was 27-7 to at the half. You know, you look at that and you go, well, okay, the Texans got back in the game a little. But garbage time. That's what you see a lot of these. Well, you have backdoor covers and, and gambling. Um in Herbert, two or three weeks, we're not even in care. It's just a it's a win is a win yeah. after a couple of weeks. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Herbert, Herbert goes 27 to 39, 342 touchdowns. It protected him a lot better. It seems like he's healing. You know, he has the cartilage issue in his ribs, which is, I mean, just painful as can be already. Um, but the, they're gonna need him to get healthy if they're gonna try to get yeah. in this division with the Chiefs. I mean, they were given a gift. The Chiefs lost last week, but they played head-to-head week one, and the Chiefs beat the Chargers, and then Chargers drop a game last week to Jacksonville. So 
they're a game back and they don't have a tiebreaker. So they're, that's going to be a, such a, the game, second game between those two is going to be so important here in a few weeks. So mm-hmm. we'll hear a lot about that. Um, but the other part of the AFC West, well, we just had, what is going on with the Denver Broncos? They're two and two, um, and they lost to the Raiders this week. It's the only win the Raiders have. They're one and three. But boy, Russell Wilson doesn't look right. That whole Broncos team doesn't look right. Do you have some opinions? I watched a lot of that game, and I, I just don't think that Broncos team is very good. They're they're not showing anything good right now. Oh. I, I don't know. It, it to me, I would say at a minimum, they did not seem prepared. Whatever they were doing in the preseason, the offseason, they don't look ready. They don't look gelled. And as much as I've said it uh, a bunch of times, I'm going to put this on Hackett. I'm sorry. With with what you have here, you should be more successful than you are. Even if it doesn't, I'm not asking for 4 0, but you should look better even in your wins. You don't, those, their wins are ugly. Their losses are just as bad. I, I don't think that, I think the Broncos have, problems in their leadership because they don't, they don't look like a cohesive unit at all. They're not gelling in any phase of their game. Even in their wins, they look kind of haphazard wins. Like, like they almost pulled, they almost blew it up rather than almost, you know, then then pulling them off. They almost look like they were ready to lose those. I'm not impressed with what they've done this year. I'm not impressed with what Hackett has done. The only thing that they've done right is to get a man, a clock manager. And that only kind of helped them. They're still got dysfunction, and I'm putting this on. And I've, and we talked about this. I still think Hackett is doesn't know what he has, doesn't know how to call plays for this team, and rightly so, he shouldn't be calling plays. And if he and he is, and as long as he is, and this offense looks the way it does, it still falls on him. After giving, and so up- that's where I'm gonna. I'm going to put Hackett right in the square target of my bullseye of this is who you blame first. He's not the only one to blame, but he's got the most blame on his shoulders. Well, after giving up 200-plus yards of rushing this past week, the Broncos did, to the Raiders, how do you think Jonathan Taylor is going to do against the Broncos on Sunday night? I'm sorry, Thursday night. It's Thursday night. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna give that a fifty-fifty because honestly, I'm not terribly impressed with what the culture playing this year. I'm not either. So, which which Taylor am I getting? The guy who barely showed up, or the guy who who looks like he could be a king killer? Mm. You know, who am I getting in this game on Thursday? I don't know. Mm. And that's that's rough to say with a talent like James with Taylor. You know in a season where he should be leading that team in, you know, direction and offense. And he looks at best 50, 50 to show up that week. Yeah. I'm not impressed. I, you know, this again, what are, we're, we're seeing teams that sh- are, are having problems. They should not be having with players that have shown themselves to be extreme talents at their positions who have become anemic this year in this first yeah. part of the year. Well, I, again, I, I'm going to give you credit because you said this last week too, and it was uh, we mentioned it once before already. Teams that run the football are the teams that win games. I mean, you look at the Colts game this past week. I mean, 
Matt Ryan throws for 20 for 30, 37 attempts. And Jonathan Taylor has 20 carries. If Matt Ryan's throwing almost two to one, what Jonathan Taylor's rushing, that's a recipe for a loss, isn't it? Absolutely. You, you have Taylor as one of the best running backs in the league, and he's not the, the center of your offense. And Matt Ryan, who's in his last year or two of his career that he can even play, if he even plays next year, and he's the one you're leaning on, yeah. you've got and, – and at what point do you say, you know, do these guys not know how to play football? Yeah. At what point do you start looking at the coaching staff and, or, your, or your play caller and being like, what are you doing? Yeah. Why not- aren't you putting front and forward your best talent? You know, I, I, this is literally, this would be like literally the Chiefs playing with Kelsey and only throwing it to him once in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And his, it's his only target for the game. Yeah. What are you doing? It doesn't make any sense. I agree. I think it's been a, it, it's a strange, I mean, it's not too strange, but I think when you look at it, I think you pegged it last week when we were talking about this, that teams that run the ball are the teams that win. And I'm not asking you to run for 300 yards, but you had no. better have a balanced offense and get enough ground rushes as you do passing attempts. That you said the word perfectly. It's balance. You don't even have to run the ball as many times as you throw it. Just don't be two to one. You know, if you've got a decent run game and you run the ball 22 times, throwing it 30 is not a bad deal but you've got to be able to run the football. These teams, I mean, like, I mean, the Giants are two and one, or throws are three and one, and they're a balanced mm-hmm. offense. They're not a great offense, but they're not predictable, and they're not predictable because they're going to run and throw. It's, you know. And you've got, you are, they are, they're, the, they're finally using Saquon Barkley efficiently. Yeah. And it shows. The Eagles this week, I mean, they're, and we're going to talk about them next. You know, Jalen Hurts went through the ball 25 times. You know, Miles Sanders had 27 carries. Mm-hmm. On the football, starting the game. Run. Yeah. I, I don't need you to win the game on the ground, but damn it, you're not going to win the game in the air only or <laughs> on the ground only. You have to find the right balance between your rushing attack and your passing attack to have true success. And the teams that have done that continue to win. And, and look at look at the Raiders. Josh Jacobs finally showed up. They actually ran the ball, and he ran the ball well. Yeah. And what did they do? They finally got their first win. Yeah. What, what, I, these are, if I'm figuring this out, I have a hard time understanding why coaches aren't seeing the same trend. I agree. I'm 100% on board with you. All right, after four weeks, and I'm a little more apt to talk about a season after four weeks than I was at two and three because now we've seen a little under. It was 16 games because we saw a quarter of the season. I still divide it up in my brain that way with one extra game. So really a quarter of the way into the season, we've got one team that's winless. The Houston Texans are 0-3-1, and yet they've played every game close. I mean, they've tied yeah. 20-20, 16-9, 23-20. They lose to the Chargers 34-24. That's the biggest blowout they've had. Every other game has been mm-hmm. close. They're just not a great football team. 
But the surprise to me, it's not a surprise they're good, but the surprise they're 4-0. The only undefeated team four weeks in is the Philadelphia Eagles. Which they're doing everything right. They're they just are. doing everything right. I you know, I I think both of us, didn't we both pick the Eagles to win the division? Oh yeah. Oh absolutely. I, I know I did. I thought, I thought you did too. And oh, yeah. as team, I like this team. I like Jalen Hurts. I like this team. He put some put some stuff out there. Him and AJ Brown now got the second the second in the league in uh, quarterback receiver duos as far as number of catches. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty outstanding. That division in and of itself doesn't look like a push around with the Giants being three and one. Somehow the Cowboys are three and one without Dak Prescott. But I want to talk, continue talking about the Eagles for a minute. We'll get to Dallas next. Man, the Eagles are four and zero, oh, and the week one against the Lions, they took every shot the Lions had, and we we've talked about how much we like the Lions. They took every bullet that the Lions had in the gun and then won that game 38-35. Since then, no one's really played them close. The defense holds the Vikings to seven. They held the Commanders to eight. The Jaguars scored 21 this week, but Russell uh, or Trevor Lawrence turned the ball over four times. He threw a, he threw a pick and had three fumbles. Um, man, this Eagles team is for real, right? They're a contender right now. All right. Uh, they are absolutely a contender. They're definitely my lead for the divisional win. I think they might. Uh, they're in a very good position to to take the entire conference into the playoffs as a lead. And I'm looking at them. You know, they've got the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the Steelers, the Texans, the Commanders, Colts, and then the Packers for the next few weeks. Next what, six weeks. That's a pretty favorable lineup for them. I think they only have a couple of challenges in there. I think they can probably go at least four and two, if not six and zero, oh, for the you know the way they're playing right now. They could I, be you know eight and two or ten and zero oh, come here by the time they get to the Packers. Well, that's where I was going next. I'm looking at their schedule and, and I don't see a game. I I could see them being an underdog to a Packers team if they get hot the next month. But I don't see a team right now on this schedule. And it helps they're in the NFC East, and we don't think real highly of Dallas. Um, but I don't see a team here where right now the Eagles wouldn't be the favorite in the game. Yeah, that, I would say that the challenges here are going to be the Cardinals, the Cowboys, and the Packers. Most of the, in the other games, the, I think they're the clear favorite over the Steelers, the Texans, Commanders, and the Colts, without yeah. question. You know, so I, I, are there challenges? Yes, but I think they're the favorite in every game. And I don't see any reason to change that. You know, I don't care how good, even if the Packers turn it around, at best, even money, I still give the edge to the, to the, to the Eagles. And that they're playing good ball. They're doing everything right. Yeah, yeah that game's in Philly. I mean, that's, um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. They're, they're going to be in this till the end. It's going to be, I think it's a good football team. And I, I'm very impressed with what I've seen. So um, let me see here. I wanted to ask you about the, the Cowboys here, same division real quick. Dak Prescott is out. He'll be back. He had surgery. He has, he's got his splinter, whatever they put his hand in is off. And 
there is some hope that he may be back as early as this week. Um, it's looking like it's going to be next week or after, but um, somehow the Cowboys, since losing Dak, have won the last two games. We were talking before we recorded, and uh, you were talking about Connor's quarterback. You like what you've seen with him. Tell me about that. Or Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush. Cooper, Cooper Rush. Rush. Cooper Rush. Uh, this is as of yesterday's game. He is 4-0 as a starter for the Cowboys. The only Cowboy to start 4-0 ever. One of those wins was last season. So he's 3-0. Granted, one of those last season, but he's he's got three wins this year. He's played in two of those. The last two he started. He's got two starting wins this year. Um, There's two arguments to be made here, and, and I know that most people will say there's not a quarterback controversy, and I'm like, well, is there? Because the NFL is about what have you done for me lately, not what have you done for me in the past. And the argument still stands, if you look at it from the past, where is Dak in the playoffs? Where has Dak come up short in leading this team? Right now, Cooper Rush has that team firing. And all of a they look good. Not because he's exceptional, but because he's actually kind of out of the way for all of the talent on that team to really shine. He's not reach, he's not overreaching. He's not overcompensating. It just works. Is I know Dak, I know Dak is the arm, he's the talent, he's the leader of this team and everything. But at the same time, we have precedent year after year, or you know, decade after decade of quarterbacks who are leading a team, are the franchise of that team, and then they get hurt, a backup comes in, and they take their job. Yeah. Well, it happens. The backup quarterback is a popular guy on the team. I mean, it just a lot of franchises that just happens. Yeah. I, I, I lean against you on this one a little bit in that I I think you definitely go back to Dak Prescott. I mean, I, he is the guy for that franchise. He's the franchise player. He's the guy you paid the money to. I, I'm impressed that Cooper Rush has won the two starts and he held on to win the game after Dak left. And you know, it's it's he won the game last year. He started. He's it's pretty outstanding. But I wonder also if it's um, just a matter of he's game managed well enough. And I'm looking. Let me pull their calendar schedule here. I mean, first of all, they beat the Commanders this past week, who have been pretty awful. I was he played well. Oh, Don't get yeah. me wrong. I mean, he wasn't great. He wasn't terrible. Helped they run the football. Last week, we were recording watching the game of them versus the Giants, and he didn't play spectacular in that game. That was more no. like the Giants really offensively just couldn't click. Um, and then the, the Cowboys kind of got away from it there at the end and, and got away from the Giants. But I do see where your yeah. point is. I just I don't know that I necessarily agree, but I, I think if nothing else – he cemented himself as like the franchise backup. And in Dallas, that will make you very popular. It'll probably make him pretty rich. I mean, he'll probably get some kind of a contract extension to be Dak's backup, especially knowing that he has been extremely good when called upon. You know, he maybe he's going to be the next guy who, who earns the clipboard money. You know, to me, that's the best game yeah. the whole damn team. Yeah. I, I love the clip. I'm not implying. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not at all implying that he's 
he's one of the starting jobbers actually creating controversy. But where I think that leads, and I think this is the better argument for what's going on right now, is when Dak went down, we were looking at six to eight weeks. And I think the conversation around Cooper Rush was, you know, if you're looking at that stretch, could you squeeze out two or three or four wins in eight weeks and just keep them afloat until Dak gets back, right? And that was, you want to split them. Yeah, you want to split them. You're three on one right now. And the, the thing I keep here, I get back wanting to get back on the field and get back to his team and get back, you know, again, this is almost the Tua conversation, but with his thumb is he wants to get back on the field. He's a competitor. He wants to do it. Now I'm looking at this at three and one with Cooper Rush. Why am I fighting to get that back faster where he can get hurt again? Well, I see your point there as well, and I'll give you a supporting argument for this. Cowboys next two games. Sunday night against the Eagles, or I'm sorry, against the Rams, or Sunday against the Rams, and then next Sunday night at the Eagles. They play at L.A. at Philly. Now, having won the three games, being three and one, I don't know that I'd rush him back either. Now, I think it's more important to have him for the Eagles game than the Rams game. I'd rather have him for the division game. Yeah. So I, I can see trying to get him back and rush him back for that game, especially being a night. You figure you got a little more time, you know, but you do have to travel. Yeah, I, I see where you're going and I don't disagree, but I, I think that I think I would do if I was them, I'd I'd focus on that 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 Eagles game and getting him healthy for that one. Rather than this trying to rush him this week against the Rams. This, we are Rams aren't going to score a lot of points, and we're watching the game. Next, after the this, quarter yeah. started, the Rams got nine points. Exactly. Here's my here's my thing is right now we're at is it three? No, okay. So they're three and one. They're basically two weeks, two and a half weeks since the injury. Yeah. And you're trying to get them back for next week on an injury that was originally scoped at six to eight weeks. Yes. There is. Absolutely no reason. You are ahead of where you wanted to be at this point without him. There's no reason to play him next week. And in fairness, there's no reason to have to play him against the Eagles. If you, even if you lose the next two, you're you're still even money and better than you thought you'd be with Cooper Rush at this point. And still pretty sitting pretty well in the division. I I personally think that a, a you know rest to death isn't the worst thing to happen with this kind of injury because even if this isn't a sack injury, this is him throwing. And if he throws and hits a helmet with his hand again, or gets a jam, you know, jammed up in a face mask, God forbid he actually does get sacked and get hit real hard on that hand or anything else. I think that there's reason here to let Cooper be Cooper for a little bit longer because I agree as fun as it is in a nice little kind of side note conversation, Let him play. You you lose nothing. Yeah. I think this is worth the effort. Just like the two of conversation, set him. Just sit him. Make sure he gets all the way back. Yeah. Because if he if he gets hurt and it's not on a helmet or somebody's shoulder pad or a sack like that, and it's just he's overexerted himself too soon on that thumb, and now he's out another two months. Now you've got a problem with the rest of your season. Yeah. All right, last subject I have for you here. I want to ask you your, your question. Last kind of check mark, if you will, in the box. 
what is wrong with the Green Bay Packers? Either three and one. But they haven't looked right. No, they haven't. I mean, they I, had to go I would have to... against a, a, a Patriots team that I think a lot of us think isn't very good with a third-string quarterback in that Patriots game. Um, Rodgers doesn't look great. What is your thoughts here? What's going on with the Green Bay Packers? I, I think that the Green Bay Packers and the LA Rams are in the same have the same bug. They've caught something in their locker room. They're they're right now have winning records, but they don't look like winning teams. Either of them, they're not firing right. The Rams, I, I said this, in, you know, when we were talking before. The Rams don't look right. They don't look like a Super Bowl returning team. They still haven't looked that good. And the, and the Packers look very much the same. They just, they're winning, but it's not pretty. It's not ugly. It certainly doesn't convince me that they're worthy of playoff, a deep playoff run or a Super Bowl contention the way they're playing right now. I don't know. There's something dysfunctional in that locker room. And I don't know what it is. I don't Do know if it's a lot Aaron, of off-season drama. Well, that's where I was going to go. Do you think it's Aaron Rodgers or do you think it's, the lack of weapons, so to speak, as far as the patent and receivers. I think if you're taking what's been made public, mm-hmm. I think it's really easy to point at Aaron Rodgers with his off-season drama and a lot of the comments he's made about his wide receivers in the early part of the year. Oh. He's been critical of these young guys who aren't, you know, getting in line or whatever. You know, the way he's, he put that to his receivers in week one, and followed that up in week two. Yeah. I, I I expect better out of my 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 lead quarterback, my franchise quarterback, who's to be my leader and support my players, not be critical of them, whether it's in the locker room or in public. And in public is I ex, I expect better out of Rogers, quite yeah. frankly. I do too. I'm a little disappointed the way he's handled this. Yeah, I mean he's he's you know he's won you know four MVPs, he's won the last two. Um, and he hasn't played like an MVP so far. I mean, he has he not hasn't acted like, like one. He does not behave like a leader of the team, too. I will agree with that. I, I wonder if the stuff in the offseason and all the, you know, we, we, we see him talk and say some things here and there. And I wonder if he's just so caught up in being a personality that it's affected his play now. I mean, he's still got a big arm. He still seems to put the off. What he does do well still, and we talked about this last week a little bit with, you know, being that next level of quarterback, and Rodgers has done especially good with this, is that Aaron Rodgers does an exceptional job of when he's audibleizing at the line of scrimmage, moving guys to make holes for the running game. You know, Aaron Jones has turned into a really great running back, and I mean, this one yes, 16 yes. times for 110 yards. But Rodgers' passing game, he's trying to spread it out, and he's trying to get – I mean, he gave it – he threw, threw passes to five, six, seven different receivers this week. Um, but it's – it doesn't – he doesn't have that – the one playmaker. You know, he's had – in the past, he had um, Devontae Adams – you know, Randall Cobb was that guy years ago. Uh, Randall Cobb's a lot older now. Now he's back there, and he had yeah. three. And he had three catches yesterday. 
on four targets. And he's a, he's not a he's bad become player. a nice safety net. Yeah, yeah, he's become a safety net for him when Rodgers needs him, but he's not going to be the lead the lead wide receiver for him. Yeah, but Rodgers threw four uh, four passes to the running backs last this past week, um, six to Lazard, which is what they need to be working to. They need to be working to Lazard, and then you have uh, Dubs and Tanya, the two tight ends. You know, he throws seven to those guys. It just seems to me like. Aaron Rodgers was relying on what he has done in the past. I don't know if that's going to be successful for him moving forward. I think he's going to have to. Um, what I mean by that is, is you look at like a Brady. Brady has adapted. And it's hard to compare anybody to Tom Brady, but Aaron Rodgers, is, it's a fair assessment because he is great. He is top-notch all-time. But he was the closest comparison to what Brady you're going to have. Yeah. yeah, these last two last two seasons, and granted, he won the MVP last year. He was my choice for MVP last year, um, and, and deservedly so the last two seasons. But he he seems to be stuck in. We'll just keep doing the same thing instead of taking a little more of what you can get from defenses. I I haven't been impressed with Aaron Rodgers this year. And I think that most of the Packers have gotten away with playing some bad competition. I, the, you know, the last one they played the Bucs in what was one of the most boring games I've ever seen with two great quarterbacks. Uh, it, yeah. Last week was the week where I finally went, man, Aaron Rodgers ain't right. And it was the week where I thought Tom Brady wasn't right. And I still think Tom Brady's not right, and I still think Aaron Rodgers isn't right. I, know I would agree with you on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I agree with you on Aaron Rodgers. I I don't agree with you on Tom Brady now yet. I saw improvement yesterday. I think they're turning in the right direction. If I had to say one thing that springs to my this is my first impression. You asked the question. I you know we hadn't talked about it before. What jumps to my head? The words that come to my head are, I don't think he trusts his receivers. I don't think his receivers trust him. That's well, what it looks like. You're right. He doesn't like. trust his receivers because. He's only throwing to the guys who are the guys who have been there. You know, you're throwing to Cobb, to Tanyan, to the running backs, and that's the majority of your th- completions. It tells me he lacks confidence in those younger guys. I mean, Christian Watson's a first-round pick. He had one reception on three targets. I, I yeah, I just don't know. I, I. I, I think Ringo I expect, is Yeah, I expect a quarterback like Rogers to fix that. This isn't and I don't think he's doing it. That's the and that's the reality of it. I think I think you're absolutely right. They don't seem right. And I think a lot of that is, quite frankly, on Rogers. I, I normally wouldn't probably put it on that. I'd say it's a combination of this, that, or the other. Right now, for this, I think this is a self-inflicted wound between him and his wide receivers and no one's winning in that situation. Yeah. Rogers doesn't look good. The receivers aren't getting catches or the numbers. I don't. I, I think this is a dysfunction that it's self-inflicted. It didn't need to be this way. And quite frankly, from an MVP quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, I expect better. Yeah. He's not a first year or second year. I, I, I mean, I might even accept this out of a Patrick Mahomes simply because he's a younger quarterback. He doesn't have that, you know, 
decade under his belt plus of experience in managing games and dealing with various quarterbacks throughout his career. This is one Aaron Rodgers has dealt with multiple receivers over his career many times. I expect better from him. I expect him to lead. I expect him to command that offense. And he's not doing it. It doesn't look good. One last thing with the Packers. Packers are three and one. The Vikings are three and one. Who wins the NFC Mark? The Vikings, the Packers. If I had to say the way they're trending right now from what I've seen, I'm gonna give the Vikings a slight edge. Okay. Because and here's why. I That's think fair. the Vikings are playing more like a team. Yeah. And the Packers aren't. And when if that tra- if that stays that way, I don't see the Packers I see the Packers sinking. And at a minimum, the Vikings will hold into the playoffs. I don't see Aaron Rodgers as playing like an MVP. He certainly doesn't look like one right now. He hasn't looked like one in a single game this year. And I don't think he's leading that team. I'm here saying Kirk Cousins is, you know, an answer, but he's not fucking it up. He's got he's Justin Jefferson. Up. Yeah, I mean, he, and there, and he had a monster day yesterday. Uh, we, we, I, you know, I've tried to avoid talking about the Vikings Saints game because I got up early and watched every moment of that game. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I didn't want to bring it up, but at the same time, it's like the Vikings aren't shooting themselves in the foot. It looks like no. the Packers are. No, I, I look at it as, and I watched that game, it was 28-25 Vikings, and um, the Saints had a chance at the end of the game to, to tie the game again, but you can't expect a kicker to you know go for a, to, to hit a 60 and 61-yard field goal. And you, you asked me when we came, before we came on, you said, how did, you know, how you feel about over there after the double doink? And I was like, I've been trying to put it out of my head and just say, hey, this is – this is what happens when we play the Vikings. For some reason, they uh, they, they they get us. They, the NFL either changes a rule and there's no pass interference, or you know somebody forgets to tackle somebody, or you know somebody gets an extra point, extra kick, or something. But um, yeah, I oh, I I was a little more impressed with the Vikings this past week, um, mostly because they're keeping Kirk Cousins up. And they're not allowing Kirk Cousins to, to be Kirk Cousins. Not letting him make too many decisions. Giving mm-hmm. him good reads. He's got a good he's got a really good receiving core. And I think when you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, that, that certainly helps. You know, and they have a run game to go with it. So yeah, I yeah. I, I want to, before I have a strong opinion between the Vikings and the Packers, I want to see a couple more weeks. But um, I was more impressed with the Vikings this past week than I have been in a while. And I'm still not going to ever like Kirk Cousins, but um, I just I just think he's trash. He's almost, he's, yeah, he's I'm not, not going to write off, fast, yeah. but he's, he's up there. Who's now currently leading 7-2-9. Yeah, we're watching I, I'm not, 10 minutes to go. Yeah, we are watching this live um, as, as we're recording this. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the, the Packers can't write this ship. Certainly they can, yeah. but I think it rests on Aaron, Aaron Rodgers' shoulders to do so. Yeah. Where others, you know, the Vikings don't have this problem. I agree. And that's, oh, I, and that's where I'm going to lean this way. They're ahead I, of the game because they're working together already. I 100% agree. I think that your your point is well taken. 
I think that comes down to Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is going to trust others. And I'm not sure right now he's capable of doing that. I agree. And, and quite frankly, it's a, it's, it makes you wonder if Green Bay made the right decision betting on him long-term and not getting ahead and kicking him to the curb and sticking with Jordan and trying something new. Green Bay Packers never seem to handle their quarterback situation well over the last 30 years. They don't know how to do it right. And they don't, especially when you have to, when it's time to transition away from your franchise to something new, they're awful. They're worst at it. Have you followed any of the Brett Favre stuff off the field? Uh, enough to know that I think I, I didn't think all that highly of him as uh, before. And he just seems like the biggest piece of shit now. So every time I hear something about it, it just gets worse and worse. And, you know, I guess Brett Favre will do Brett Favre things. Yeah. I guess Brett Favre is doing, you know, Donald Trumpian type of things now. It, you know, more and more I hear, I heard a little whisperings today that, the grand jury might come in on Red Favre soon, which I didn't suspect we'd see. That may be happening. And I think that, yeah. I think it'd be funny if Brett Favre was coaching the mean machine in a couple of years. <laughs> well, here's the thing about this situation with Brett Favre that hasn't really happened in the past with things with Brett Favre. It's not he said, she said. This is paper trail. This is financial papers with numbers on them that are actual, yeah. you know, for speaking from speaking engagements, he got paid millions of dollars for that. He didn't even do to the, to the volleyball court thing, to all of this stuff. And the, you know, this isn't a question of my opinion, or I say I did this. And she said, I did that with a dick pic. This is paperwork. They don't need him to testify. They don't need him to do any explanation except Oh, here's all the paperwork that shows you did something criminal. And that's what we're going to court with. They don't need testimony. Yeah, he broke the string that's of what makes rule it number one. Don't take notes about a criminal conspiracy. I mean, yeah. I don't I, I doubt Brett Farber watched the wire. But uh, probably not considering he texted the people he, he, he was conspiring himself. with. And, and, and considering that Red Favre is probably not a fan of uh, folks from Baltimore, let's just put it that way. I imagine he never yeah. watched The Wire to learn enough that Stringer Bell taught an entire generation, don't take notes about a criminal conspiracy. And Brett Favre's text messages about a criminal conspiracy. I don't know. I mean, I mean I, oh, well, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think we can tell how stupid he can be. Yeah, he's not, I mean, he's, look, no one ever thought Brett Favre was a fucking genius. I mean, no. he admitted that he didn't know what a nickel defense was till his second year in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I, I've coached middle school people who know what, a, what the fucking nickel defense is. I, I, yeah, I just don't know how you do that. So, oh, yeah. I, I think he's, he has taken whatever little bit of you know legacy he might have still had around and took a big old shit all over it. I mean yeah. fuck that far. Yeah. At this point. Fuck yeah. it. Well hey I, I, I want to jump out of here. I do want to say thanks to a couple of our sponsors. Uncle Rico's appearance is brought to us by Stitch Fix. 
Remember, you can get $25 off your first box of Stitch Fix. Check out the link in the link in the show notes, and you can follow that. Save $25 of Stitch Fix. It's a great way. Male, woman, even your kids, it's a great way to get some clothes and do is refresh your style a little bit. Check out Stitch Fix. Check out the link in the show notes. And then also, I want to thank uh, Caesars for sponsor, Caesar Sportsbook for giving us a sponsorship this week. Uh, be a Caesar. Get a deposit bonus as well as an extra $50 bonus when you use our link in the show notes. The referral is in the show notes. The link, follow it. You can be in Kansas. You can be in Colorado. Any state that's eligible, you can do that. And you can use that link, get involved. Check out Caesar Sportsbook. They got a lot of same game parlays. I like Caesars. I like, I mean, there's plenty of sports books out there. We've all tried them. I like the Caesars one because you also get lots of profit boost bets, lots of cool stuff you can do at Caesars that you can't do anywhere else. Check them out. We thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Um, Uncle Rico, any last words when we get out of here tonight? Garoppolo is still willing, winning today. Yeah. They just missed the field goal here with eight minutes to go. Let's we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to keep this little kind of week in, week out. Where's Garoppolo and see how much I can needle you with it. Yeah. I just, I don't think he's good. Because I know you oh. hate that he's starting and winning. So Tyler Jones <laughs> and I did rename the Ryan Tannehill rule is now the Dak yes. Prescott rule. You have to have Dak Prescott or better to be a Super Bowl contender. Oh, wait. Okay. So that just means I have, should have to have won a playoff game. No, no. You have to have, have, a, quarterback. <laughs> you have to have a quarterback. I think we've got that one covered. <laughs> I, you know, as they say, an investment's prior performance is not indicative of future returns. This is true. This is true. Yeah, I think that applies to Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is a two star, oh. it's a two star mutual fund. Oh, you're going to like what just happened. So, all right. Hey, we're going to get out of here on that. I want to say thank you to Tyler Jones and everybody in Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. Most importantly, I want to thank you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us to review us Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate every five star review. So until Friday, when I'm back on the point five with Ellen, have a, I'm Brian O'Connor, Coach Bo. Have a great week. Remember your time tokens are not in Take care, everybody.